Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. We're two weeks away from Christmas. Anyone excited yet? Anyone uh, a little uncomfortable because you haven't done enough shopping and you know that you're not going to get your Amazon packages? Anyone? (laughs) Uh, Last night, Cassidy was uh, finalizing some gifts for me, and uh, the website I was trying to show her that I wanted to buy stuff for just just completely acknowledged, we will not mail you anything until January. And I'm like... (laughs) I'm like, guys, two weeks. <laughs> like, you guys just choose to take the, the two weeks before Christmas off? I don't know. Um, anyway, we are in the Advent season, and, uh, and so this is the third week of Advent. This is the week which is the theme is joy. And uh, I just, I'm going to read this, uh, I'm going to read this prayer uh, over you or pray this over our community, and, and, and uh, it won't be on the screen, but uh, you can just get your heart in a place of joy. Like, the coming of Jesus should yield joy. And, uh, and that's what we celebrate uh, in Advent. Advent it just means arrival. Uh, and it's the arrival of the Messiah who was promised from long ago. And, uh, and we in the 21st century sit in this, the, the, this tension of like praise God because Jesus has come. And we also pray in this tension of that Jesus has promised to return. And so we, we pray that God would, that Jesus would come, that he would come back and restore the world, that we would be uh, with him together. But I'm going to read this, this passage, not this passage, this prayer, uh, before I, we, we, we preach today. So uh, pray with me. Uh, Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come along uh, among us. And because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. So we've been in a series uh, called Messiah, as Moses just said, and it's the second week. It's just a Christmas series, and the point of it is is that w- Jesus is the Messiah, right? We, we acknowledge that. There's a, there's a song. Every time I s- say the word Messiah, I just think about the song Jesus Messiah. I'm not going to sing it, but I could. Uh, and... Um, and I, I just think about that, but we, we, this perspective or this series, the perspective we want you to think about it is, so Jesus was promised or the Messiah was promised years before that he, that, that he came. And we're looking at these types, uh, these Jesus types, as I call them, which are, you get these, these pictures of these patriarchs or these major characters in the Bible and they allude to, or they give they're like almost like imagery for the future Messiah. And, but if you live during that day, it could, it could make you wonder, like, is this the one that was promised? Is this the one all the way back from Genesis chapter 3 who would crush the serpent's head, uh, the, the, the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head? Is this, is this finally the person from uh, Abraham's family who is going to be the blessing to the nations? And what ends up happening is they all come up short. But each of them, they, sh- they show us things and characteristics of, the, of what the Messiah will be like, uh, and then they encourage us to keep having hope for them. And so today we're going to be looking at Moses. And uh, I will say this, 
uh, so, so just, just to kind of circle back to that. So we say, uh, when we talk about Jesus, we say Jesus Christ. Uh, that is not uh, Jesus' last name. Like Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's not his surname. Uh, Christ is uh, the word in Greek, anointed one. And uh, Christ, uh, the, the word anointed one in Hebrew is the word Messiah. And so when you say the word Jesus Christ, you are saying that Jesus is the anointed one from God, or you're saying that Jesus is the Messiah. And so as we jump into the series, again, we can, we can sit in this tension now in a different place than they were, like in, in, the, in the times of Moses. We sit in a place of, yes, we acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's Lord, that he came, and we celebrate that. There's joy that comes from that because he came to do something amazing, uh, but yet, again, the brokenness of the world around us, we can still plead, and, and sometimes today, like, the holidays are, for a lot of people, are either full of joy or sometimes full of sorrow, and so, and maybe, like, in the sense of joy, like, you're like, yes, I love Christmas, because we get to celebrate Jesus, and we get to see family, and all these different things, and others, you, you're in a really bad place, in a dark place right now, and your prayer is different, your is more of the Jesus, come back, come back, make this right, because it is bad. It is bad. And so today, uh, we're going to be looking at Moses. And Moses, this is really what Moses shows us. He shows us that the Messiah is going to set captives free. That the Messiah is going to set captives free. If you, if you don't know the story of Moses, we're going to kind of do a, a very high-level view of it, kind of going through the, the high points along the way. Uh, but Moses ultimately was the person that God picked to uh, lead the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Uh, and so, interesting enough, Isaiah 61, 1 um, uh, picks up on this theme of the, the anointed one. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord God has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. That's what Moses did. Now, Isaiah is talking about, again, the future Messiah here. Ironically enough, Jesus, when he opens his public ministry, what does he quote? He quotes Isaiah 61. He quotes that exact line that says, the Lord has anointed me. Hey, I'm the Messiah. To bring what? Good news to the poor. He sent me to bind the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives. The Messiah is going to come and set people free. And I don't know about you, like maybe today, like you need freedom. Like maybe today you feel like you're in bondage to something, like you're in bondage to uh, maybe a, a specific sin or an addiction. Maybe you're in bondage and, and you feel like you're in an oppressive relationship. Maybe uh, you feel like you're in, bond, in bondage in, in, from, from some form of darkness or depression or anxiety. And Jesus wants to come and set you free. He wants, that's what he, he came to do. And you might say, well, why is there still bad things? That's because um, there, there, he, hasn't, he, hasn't, he, he conquered everything on the cross. Uh, there's this phrase in, in theological circles that talks about the already but not yet. He's already done this but not yet fully, and he will fully do that when he comes back again. And so let's look at the story because, again, the Old Testament, the, we talk about how um, the Old Testament or, or the Bible has hyperlinks to different places. And, and when, when we look at Moses, Moses is, again, he's, 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 a, he's a type. He's a, 
all human beings are, uh, are failed types of what, not, I'm, I need to make, uh, change that statement. Uh, not all human beings, but some, uh, some characters in the Old Testament, like a Joshua, like a Joseph, like uh, an Abraham, like a Moses, like a David, they all give allusions to the Messiah, but won't do it, like won't do him fully justice. And so what do we do? We have to look at the pieces that are like the image of God and say, yeah, that's going to be, that's what the Messiah is going to be like. And then we have to look at the humanness, the human sin and go, yeah, but that's why he wasn't the Messiah as well. So let's look at Moses. All right. So Moses comes on the scene uh, a little, a little bit after this time, but Exodus 2.23, this is kind of the scene where he comes into prominence. So during those uh, many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. They, they, their cry of for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groanings and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. Now, if we, so we, had just, we have just finished a series in Genesis. We, all, we got to all the way to Genesis chapter, uh, end of ch- chapter 11, starting verse 12. We talked about Abraham. So Abraham has some kids and then they have some kids and then they have some kids and I think they have some kids and then Joseph shows up. And jo- that's, that's a great, great summary. You could write that down and quote that. For the, that's, that's Genesis right there. People had some kids. Okay. Anyway, uh, but in the end of Genesis, which is like 10 or 15 chapters, all on this dude named Joseph. Uh, if you want to know a little bit about Joseph, Joseph had that Technicolor dream coat. Um, you remember that? Yeah, really cool coat that his dad gave him. And, and, and anyway, but Joseph kind of was a punk when he was younger, but also was promised that he was going to have this prominent role. Anyway, he ends up uh, getting sold into slavery in Egypt and then f- climbing Providence, thrown into to prison and then finding pr- uh, uh, j- just, just, just great, great role uh, in Egypt. He ends up becoming the second in command in all of Egypt. And then eventually those people die and then those pharaohs die and uh, people forget who Joseph was and that's where we pick up in Exodus where the pharaohs have forgotten Joseph and now there's all there's this nation of people who are not Egyptians and what do leaders do when they see a, a potential issue uh, with a group of people who might overtake them in fear what do they do they oppress them and so they put they put the Israelites in, in, into slavery uh, and at this point, they're crying out now saying, hey, God, remember your promises. Remember your covenant with, with our, 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 our fathers, with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob. People cry out for God to rescue them. Do you ever cry out for God to rescue you? Like, do you ever, do you ever cry out for God to, to, to show up in, 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 in the situations in your life? Um, and, and I don't know, I don't know what your prayer life is. I don't know if you regularly are in dialogue with God or praying continually as First Thessalonians talks about it, uh, or if prayer is something that you do at mealtime, at bedtime, and when you come to church. But I think, um, I, this is not what the sermon is about, but I do think there is, this, this should encourage us that like when we are in need, we can cry out to God. Like when you are in need, you can cry out to God. Like right now, there might be something that you need to cry out to God for. There might be something right now that, that is overwhelming you. And even in this moment, like as you're listening to me talk, if something's coming to your mind, 
like even like uh, disregard what I'm saying for a few minutes and pray to God while, while you, you stare at me and act like you're listening. Um, but seriously, like cry out, like t- take moments, even now, like that's more important than what I'm saying. Like connect with God, cry out to him, plead with him, let him know. Like if you see, if, if, if injustice is happening in your life, if abuse is happening in your life, if, you're, if you are dealing with anxiety or depression or like cry out to him, uh, plead to him. Now it doesn't mean, again, we live in a broken world. It doesn't mean everything's gonna be fixed today. Like, it, they, they cried out to him. It doesn't mean that God came down right away, but God is, is working and will be moving to make all things right again. I also think, too, is uh, sometimes uh, we cry out to God like, um, uh, how do, I can't say this nicely, uh, spoiled Americans. Uh, like, you know what I mean? Like, so sometimes the things you're crying out to God and he's not answering, it's not because God doesn't care about you. It's because, uh, don't, I can't say that. Uh, it's because uh, <laughs> it's because it's stupid. Uh, like you know how teachers say there's no s- dumb questions. Well, that's dumb too because there are dumb questions. That's a that's a, I, you know, Melissa told me I was sassy today, and I think this is for this moment. <laughs> um, but the the idea. Um, but sometimes, like we we think. Uh, and, and it's not it's not our fault. It's like we're in a we, we are a part of a culture that teaches us this. So like we, we grew up learning about the American dream and learning about like pulling ourselves up and, and and then you know getting to a place of status and then like keep getting higher and higher and higher. And so if I if I cross the uh, merge the American dream with God's will, then 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 God's will always looks like a better opportunity. It always looks like more money. It always looks like more comfort. It always looks like more stuff. It always looks like more. And the problem with that is that's not the gospel. That's actually called the prosperity gospel. And, and so if you're crying out for something that is like that doesn't fall into the categories of things that God's trying to redeem and work in the world, like maybe we need to change our perspective. Because um, like we, we are called followers of Jesus. Is what, that's what we, we, as Christians, we are followers of Jesus. And the person that we are following, the way that he lived his life, he lived his life uh, from a self-giving, sacrificial place for the poor, for the, those that are broken, for the hurting, for the wolves that are in need, for those that were oppressed. Those that, that he, he came for those people as well. Uh, and so for us as followers of Jesus, like, yes, but, like, you can cry out to God, but let, let's cry out for, for things that align with the mission of God and what he wants to do in the world as well. Uh, and, and honestly, this has been challenging me all week. Like I've been, I've been, I've been dealing with this all week um, in my own way. I'm just trying to. There's things in my life right now that I'm thinking about that um, I, 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 I'm finding them to, to be major issues. Uh, but yet God, and it reminds me, goes, I don't know if that's really something that you should cry out to me for. Like you should just be okay that that's just sometimes that's just how life is. Now, there's other things that are wrong and evil that absolutely we should cry out for. But me, my, me not getting my way, that's not it. And that's hard. That's, that's, like, that's, that's, that's called maturing as a believer. That's called maturing as, as, a, as a human being. Uh, uh, that, that's, that's, that, that, that life is not about us. That life is about God and his glory and his redeeming the world and using us to be a part of calling people back to him. So, but what does God do when he hears people uh, crying out to him? What does he got to do? He sends somebody. 
He sends somebody with him. He partners with human beings. And so what does he do? This is the burning bush scene. I wish we could spend the rest of the time on this, but we can't because it's so dang cool, but we're not going to. So verse seven uh, of Exodus three says, then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because uh, of their taskmaster. I know their suffering and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites. No, that's, I, that's, I'm not even going to go there. Uh, Hivites and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel have come to me, and I've, I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh, he's talking to Moses, that you may bring the people of Israel, the, uh, the children of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses said, God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you and this shall be the sign that I've sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve the God on this mountain. And again, this passage opens up with, with what? God sees, he hears, and he knows the pain of the people. Like that should comfort you that God isn't some distant God somewhere far away, but God is close, his eminence, he's, he's, he's present with us, and he knows us. One of my favorite Psalms opens up, Psalm 16, I love the Lord because he hears my voice. Like that should, that should encourage you, that should, that should challenge you to pray because God hears your voice as you cry out to him. But so Moses gets these orders to lead the people out. And, and if, if, again, if you're, we weren't there, but as a reader on the outside, you go, oh man, this could be the one, this could be the guy that, that comes and rescues the world. And, and up until this point, we've learned that human beings typically have moments of success where they're honoring and, and, and doing the things that God tells them to. And then very quickly, very quickly, they fall into human pride or they fall into choosing their own way versus the way that God tells them to do. And so, and we see the weakness of Moses, what gives us, oh, it might not be him, because what does Moses do? He says, hey, I can't speak. Moses has a speech impediment. And so he, he uh, is is concerned that his voice will not be able to be heard by Pharaoh. And so what does Moses do? He says, I need help. I can't do it. Uh, alone. And so God brings Moses, or excuse me, Aaron, his older brother, to come and be a part with him. And, and a lot of, you could argue that like Moses with God could have done this on his own, but yet God was gracious in that moment. He says, all right, I'm still going to use you, but I'm going to bring your brother to help you as well. And so Moses leads them out of Egypt. Now, uh, it, it, we could have just watched the Prince of Egypt today, and that could have done a, a full number on, on, on this whole message. But if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it later. It's actually pretty well done. Uh, and I just like it as a kid. I liked it, and, uh, and you should too. So, um, but, so he leads, so we get to the end, right? So, uh, they're, they're, they're right basically on the edge of the Red Sea. This is where the parting of the Red Sea, and it's powerful and it's amazing. And, and, and literally they go from slavery into freedom, which is awesome. And, and Moses said to the people, fear not. What does he say? This is, this is one of his shining moments. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Why? Because the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. 
it. Like, hey, believe, like God's gonna be for you. You can trust him. Verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they shall go in after them and I will get the glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts and his chariots and his horsemen and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I've gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And we see this, that, that Moses leads them into salvation, that he's even being the proponent to, to speak, to say, hey, trust, stand firm, and trust God. And, and you also see the, the interaction between, like, so it seems like God is, like, overpowering Egypt, and that might sound mean, but, but why? Because he wants them to know that he is God, that Pharaoh is not, that he is God, that he is the one true God. He is the one who is the creator of the world. He is the one that they should be worshiping. He, even, even in this act of, of, in some ways, discipline, God is trying to get the hearts of the Egyptian people as well. But Moses leads them out, uh, and then what happens next? Very quickly, they go to that mountain he talked about. They establish a covenant. It's called the Sinai Covenant together. And then what happens right after the Sinai Covenant? Well, they get a little anxious because Moses is on the mountain for a little too long. And uh, what do they do? They build a, a, uh, an idol. <laughs> they build a golden calf. Now, um, imagine this, by the way. You have, just been, you have just been brought out of slavery. You've seen God do incredibly miraculous things, and he's provided for you. He's done all of these different things. You just said, hey, God, we want to be your people, and you're going to be our God, and like, we're going to follow you, and we're going to go into the promised land. It's going to be awesome. And what do they do? Like 15 minutes in, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm really nervous. Like, uh, is, there, is there anyone got any gold? Hey, can I get your earrings? Hey, let's, let's you know, I got a good idea. Let's, let's, make a, let's make a statue of a calf, a golden calf. And let's worship that thing. That, and let's declare that this, this golden calf brought us out of Egypt. Let's do that. Now Moses, again, Moses isn't a part of this, but you see how it goes downhill pretty quick. Moses isn't a part of this. Moses is with God. God gets word of this. God's like, hey, I'm ready to kill all of you, which, is cr- which we don't, I don't have time to talk about that. But, but he's like, I'm ready to kill all of you and just start over. Like with you, Moses. And Moses is like, no, no, no. Remember your promises to what? He, he, he reminds them of their promises to uh, the promise of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and 17. He reminds them that, 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 no, you have called these to be your people and you just made a covenant with them and God, doesn't, God keeps his promises. Like God always keeps his promises. And, uh, and so God, as I'm saying, God actually relents and, uh, and they keep going about their way and then they move about their way and they, they get to the point where I remember my kid's Bible and the size of the grapes on that picture where they're looking at the promised land. Anyone remember? It's a purple kid's Bible, ginormous grapes. I'm like, anyway. But they get to the point where uh, they're going to go scout out the land. And they're going to scout out the land. They send 12 people to go scout out the land. Ten of them come back and are like terrified. And two of them are like, let's get this. And they wimp out. But anyway, verse uh, Numbers 13.30. Then Caleb told the people in front of Moses to be quiet. 
which is, that's amazing. Uh, and he said, let's go up at once and take the land, for we are well able to take it in battle. But the men who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go against the people. They are too strong for us. So they brought the people of Israel bad news about the land that they had spied out. The land we have gone to, uh, to spy out is, is a land that destroys those who go there to live. All the people we saw in it are very large. We saw Nephilim, which we talked about earlier. Uh, the sons of Anak are a part of the Nephilim. We looked like grasshoppers in our eyes, and we looked the same to them. And so God is, he's, he's literally brought Moses and said, hey, I want you to take these people of Egypt, I want to take them out of slavery, and I want you to lead them into the promised land. And they get on the verge of the promised land, and, and instead of trusting in their God, they trust in their own thoughts, their own ideas of what was right. And it wasn't that there weren't giants in the land. There wasn't these big nations in the land. But they, 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 they didn't believe that God was going to come through for them. They didn't believe that God was going to come through for them. And Moses aligns with them, and they choose not to go, and they don't, they, they don't go forward. And then from that, God sends them to wander and wander, that's a great southern word, in the wilderness for 40 years until this generation, for the most part, dies off. And, uh, and up until this point, even up until this point, Moses still is the guy to, to lead them. Up until this point, he, he doesn't get like the whole, like, you're not going to get to go into the promised land. Until a little bit later, which this might seem a little, like, simple or, like, weird that God would do this, but this, this, until this story. So they're, they're wanting water, and this is what God tells them to do. He says, take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring out the rock for them and give a drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from, from before the Lord as he commanded him. So what does God tell him to do? He tells him to speak to this rock for water. Talk to this rock, right? He says, tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. Rock, yield water, right? That's what he does. Rock, I want you to yield water. What does Moses do? Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Shall, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his, eye, uh, his hand and struck the rock with his staff two times, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses, what? Because you did not believe in me to uphold as, the ho as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I've given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. I told you to shout at that rock, Moses, and you tapped it twice. And because of your disobedience, and, and in some ways, it, he, 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 was not like, uh, he was not listening to the ways and the direction of the Lord, and the Lord had enough of it. He says, hey, you're n you don't get to go into the promised land anymore. You're done. You don't go into the promised land. And at this point, we see, again, I mean, Moses, an incredible patriarch of, 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 of the people of Israel, of the Christian faith, huge. I mean, he, he set, the, the, he helped lead the captives three by the power, by the power of God. But he, he's not going to be the, the true anointed one. He's not going to be the true anointed one that, that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. And uh, if you don't know the end of the story, so Moses ends up dying. Um, and I, I, I don't know if you've ever been to the, the Holy Land before, um, but it's beautiful. It's crazy. It, um, if you go into Jericho, it's like a desert 
near the Dead Sea, basically. And, uh, but you can see off from Jericho off to the mountains. We, I remember our guide specifically was like, yeah, that, like kind of in that direction, there's a, like a little bit of mountains or hills. And it's like over there, that's kind of where Moses, we, they believe that Moses died. And you're like right on the line, <laughs> almost. Not like right on the line, but like you're pretty dang close. And, and because of how hilly it is, uh, it could have been, it wouldn't be out of, the, out, of, out, of, out of the question that Moses literally could have gotten almost to the point, like right on the edge of the promised land, and to see it, and to never be able to enter it. And Moses, just like Adam failed, just like Abraham failed, just like Isaac failed in that way. And, 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 um, and I, the, the thing I love about the Moses story is so Moses doesn't get to enter into it, but who, who leads the people afterwards? You guys know? Joshua. Joshua is the word in Hebrew is Yeshua. And the word Yeshua is actually the word for Jesus. Which, I, why don't we call Jesus Joshua or Josh? That's a different issue for a different day, but there's some translations and languages, whatever. But they're the same name. And, uh, and in my mind, it's, again, it's, it's the illustration so Moses, in the same way, uh, Moses being the first, could not enter into the land, and so a second had to come after him. In the same way that Adam could not, like failed as a human being, Jesus is often called the second Adam, who came and was the one uh, and did what we could not do uh, so that we could have life and have forgiveness and experience uh, what we were meant to as human beings in relationship with God. And uh, so we end the story again with this, that he, it felt so close, but it just didn't, didn't make it. And then you pick up again, and Joshua takes up the reins, and again, there's a little bit of hope. But again, we know, just like Moses, just like all those before him, like something has to change in human beings. Something has to change. Uh, and eventually, a guy named Jesus would come, which is what we celebrate uh, this Christmas season. The, Messiah, the true Messiah would come, and he would show us what it would look like to be human beings. He would show us wh- what it looked like to walk with the Father. Uh, and he would set people free. He would set people free from evil, from sin, from death. And if you've never experienced that freedom before, like the only thing he asks you to do is he asks you to call on his name. He says, uh, all those who, uh, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that, that Christ raised from the dead, you will be saved. Confess that Jesus is the son of God, that he is king and Lord right now, and believe that he, that God literally lifted him, like he died and rose again. And then start following him with your life. Start living your whole life for him as well. And then very practically is if you're looking for freedom today, like I don't know where, what, if you're feeling like you're in a place of bondage today, but if you're looking for freedom, if you feel stuck today, like the, then the, the, the challenge for us is to cry out for the one that is, the, he's the one that sets people free, is to cry out to him and ask him to set you free. Like if you're walking with him right now, but you, you need freedom from something, like this is the time to, to, to pray for that. This is the time to plead with God, to beg God that he would hear you. And, and if, you, if nothing changes today, then you, you keep going tomorrow and you keep going the next day and you keep going the next day because Jesus is the one that sets us free. He is the true Messiah who sets the captives free and he, he, he cares about you. He hears your pain. He knows uh, what's going on in your life and he wants to move. He wants to move. 
And so today I'm going to invite uh, Tommy and Evan to come back up. Uh, we, end the, we end each service with taking communion together and uh, remembering the act in which uh, he set us free from sin. And so uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a piece of bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And he took a cup and he said, this is my blood, my perfect blood that's been shed for you. And as often as we take this meal together, we, we take this in remembrance of, uh, of, of him. Our, our Messiah who laid down his life for the world so that you could be set free. So that you could be set free. And so I'm gonna, we're, we're gonna, I'm gonna have them just kind of underscore this moment for a, a second. And I'm just gonna give you a, a few moments. Just take 30 seconds. I'll even time it so you don't feel like the awkwardness of the time. But just take 30 seconds. And if there's something that you need to be set free from or that you feel oppression right now in your life, if, you've, if, you're, if you're dealing with some, uh, an addiction, if you're dealing with um, just maybe habitual sin, if you're dealing with, 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 maybe, uh, with anything, like cr- take the next 30 seconds and, and cry out to God that he would hear you and that, that he would set you free. And now if you've never experienced that freedom, the forgiveness of sins, just if you've never taken a moment and just declared that Jesus is king and believing that his death sets you free from sin and death and his resurrection offers you a new life and gives you a new heart, a clean heart that can pursue him. Take a moment and, 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 and pray that God would do that in your life right now. And if he has done that in your life, then take a moment and praise him for the freedom that you have in Christ. Romans says it is, it is for freedom that Christ has set, set you free. Lord Jesus, we praise you that you are the one that didn't fail us, that you are the one who is great and mighty and wonderful and we love you so much and so God uh, I just pray for freedom to, to reign in this room today God chains would be broken that captives would be set free God if it's for the first time God that that would happen if it's for um, if it's for an addiction if it's for depression if it's whatever whatever's going on Lord that you would just you would set people free today your Holy Spirit would just breathe into this place and you would make us new. And as we celebrate and remember your, 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 your death, Jesus, we say thank you for setting us free. We, we praise you for being the true Messiah, God, the anointed one of God. We love you so much. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can take a knee. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Cinemark 20 off of Johnson Drive and I-35. We also have three community groups that meet every other Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or you can email me at jake at missioncitykc.com.